Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and Founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. It's good to be back with you. I know that today... You're going to be talking about inflation, and uh, I, I think personally it's been on my mind. I think it's on a lot of people's mind. Uh, in fact, I just saw a, I believe it was an article title from CNBC that inflation rises 7% over the past year. In one year, 7%. That's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's a major concern. Before we jump into this, can you just kind of give a, a good description or a definition of what inflation is for the listening audience? Yeah. Well, inflation is, it's funny that we're talking about inflation now because I've thought about inflation for, I don't know, 20 years. Because when I first got in the business, inflation had just abated. And there was always this fear that inflation was going to come back. It was kind of like that boogeyman in the closet mm-hmm. that everybody worried about. And then over these last three or four decades, it it's gotten in the rearview mirror. People haven't thought about it because it hasn't happened so long. And to your point about the 7% inflation, that was the highest inflation we've had in 39 years. Yeah. So when I think about inflation, I think the textbook, there's a textbook definition of which we can get into, but I've always thought about it pretty simply being too much money chasing too few goods. And if you really think about it, we can define that and it, it that encapsulizes really what it is. We just got, we're awash in, in stimulus and money and everybody's kind of buying the same goods and you can see it across the board in everything that we're doing. Yeah, and it doesn't help that supply chains are interrupted and manufacturing is way down. I mean, it's just so more money with less product out there. I mean, if manufacturing everything had kept up and people had more money, maybe we wouldn't have this issue. But both, it's kind of almost the perfect storm. We got more money and people, (laughs) manufacturers are providing less product. So there's more of a, a want, desire, or need. No, no question about it. And it goes across the board. I mean, I'm giving you a real life example. My wife and I, we just recently put our house in the market to sell and um, great, right? Because there's the prices are very high. You've got interest rates very low and there's a lot of demand for housing. Particularly, we, we thought a pretty aggressive price on it thinking, well, if somebody buys it, great. If not, mm-hmm. but once again, there's too much money chasing too few goods, which would be too few homes. Our house is under contract. And now we are one of those people chasing too few homes mm-hmm. with, with, with capital. So it's a never ending cycle, but yeah, you're right. There's a perfect storm of a bottleneck of production and things of that supply chains. And it just exasperates the situation. It's kind of made it worse. Yeah. I've actually got a buddy of mine that sent me a picture. He said, this is just crazy. His wife was at Costco. And I love Costco. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We shop Mm -hmm. there quite often. I'm not endorsing them. However, he sent me a picture that his wife sent him from Costco, and it was of uh, beef loin, tenderloin. Oh, yeah. 5.41 pounds, price tag of over $200. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Beef has gone up between 20 and 30%. 
Yeah, it, it, it's, right it's crazy. So let's talk about it. We have a couple things already, right? You already talked about the stimulus. We already talked about the, the supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that are causing inflation right now besides just those two? Oh, we, a good way to look at inflation is kind of go back in the rearview mirror. So what caused inflation? Because inflation leaves clues. It typically starts somewhat the same and it sometimes plays out the same. So I like to go back in history and let's reminisce a little bit. Let's go okay. down Let's go down that lane and reminisce. So it's the mid-60s. You have the Vietnam War is just um, at the peak. We spent a lot of money on this situation. We have Johnson coming in and he's kind of the great society spending a lot of money on these programs so we have a lot of a lot of spending on the government side but yet we've got this expensive war and all of a sudden in the mid 60s prices are starting to creep up and they're creeping and creeping and creeping and then the federal reserve we go off the gold standard and we start pumping money in and then wage and pressure start to increase and so Let's look at that and let's see where we're at right now and what we've seen over the last 10 years, right? So in, did we have, well, we just came off a long, costly war in occupation in Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Check. Okay. We had a huge stimulus programs in 2009. Remember the housing crisis? Oh, absolutely. Check. In 2020, again, we had huge stimulus just simply because uh, of the pandemic another check. Mm -hmm. And so then we've also had here recently a large increase in social spending, whether it be those stimulus checks they sent out, credits and things of that nature. And then you've got the Federal Reserve over the last decade has been doing something that is historically a a little bit not what their, their charter is, and that is buying mortgage bonds and things of that nature to keep yields low. All of this looks eerily similar to what we went through in a lot of cases in the uh, mid 60s uh, and early 70s. So we've got a lot of money out there and it's uh, we've got a lot of expenses and a lot of debt and that's inflationary and that's what yeah. we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's huh, what is it? hindsight's 2020, but obviously mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to help us a lot. A lot in these situations. No, it never does. It yeah. Never right. Does. It's, uh, it's a little aggravating. Yeah. And so let me ask you this. I mean, we have these quotes and these titles from these different articles, and I know you do a lot of research. In your opinion, how fast are prices rising? And, and, and how can we truly measure it? Because I would, in my opinion, and this is just the way my brain works, right? I've got a bunch of different compartments. So I've got like food is going to be in one compartment, but utility type things are going to be in another compartment services and goods are going to be, I mean, so I, I kind of compartmentalize them and maybe I'm thinking of it the wrong way, but what are you seeing as far as what's going up faster than in, in those different sections? Well, you alluded to a few that are, it's usually where we get the most unrest is when you see food prices and energy prices, right? And mm-hmm. so if you've went to the pump, if you filled up your car, energy prices are up 33 to 35%, somewhere in that area. That is a big, 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 it's a big pull from yeah. from the income of the average consumer out there. And then you have food prices. You know, some stores are, are even lacking in having food on the shelves. And, and so when that happens, you tend to see a little bit of a price increase. And so we've seen it in beef. Where it's been moderated somewhat has been in healthcare. Healthcare has, has not gone up so much. Educational costs have kind of moderated a little bit. But those are costs that people plan for, not the immediate costs. We, always, we have a saying in the industry, you can't take your bank statement or your brokerage statement into a grocery store and buy groceries, right? You need to have income. And the challenge is that prices are rising, as you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, 7%. I would 
argue that it might even be higher that higher than that. I mean, if your car breaks down and you have to go out and buy a used car right now, mm-hmm. you're going to pay 25 to 30 percent more than what you would have paid a year and a half ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, so these are costs that are really baked in. They try to measure it by the CPI and the WPI, which is the CPI is the consumer price index. And the WPI is one that I follow a little more closely, which would be the wholesale price in, in index. Now, the CPI is a basket of what the government thinks you buy on, on a monthly basis. And the WPI is a basket of the wholesale prices that the wholesaler will once again buy and then pass on to you. But we're seeing those things just just go up. We haven't seen, like I said, 39 years, 40 years. Hmm. Okay. So you, you spoke about gas prices, mm-hmm. right? That's hits everybody in the wallet. And I don't yep. care who you are. It, it's going to reflect on the rest of your entire budget. How can the government help that situation? Can they, is it right for them to do so? I mean, there, there's so many questions like you, you spoke about 0809 and people were just screaming because, oh, look at all these banks getting bailed out. Well, there were certain mm-hmm. reasons the banks had to be bailed out in certain ways, but at the same time, we get it. You, you, you're running things into the ground. You deserve to, you know, businesses yeah. fail. Are we not letting these fail for a reason? Well, yeah, there's a lot more complexity to it. But let's talk about gas. Let's talk about some of these things. Is there something the government can do to help or not? Well, I think there was. And we've kind of painted ourselves in a corner, right? Not to get political, but we were pretty much mostly energy here four, five, six years ago. And we basically made it very, very difficult for people to drill. We've kind of limited the amount of, of areas that they can for, you know, for good reasons with the in- environment and the like like that. But that has caused, once again, production to fall. So now we're reliant upon OPEC and to do the pricing, whereas we had a kind of hand in that pricing before. Now we our hand is lessened. Mm-hmm. So what the government has tried to do, we have a strategic oil petroleum reserve that we hold. And so Biden has released some of that oil into the system. And it, the challenge with that is, is that it has to be bought back, right? So you release that strategic oil, it eventually has to be bought back. And what we found is we released it and it really didn't have much of effect on the global marketplace and the price of oil. So we are ironically in a very, very poor position to be able to dictate the pricing of oil. And so it's one of those things that we're, I think that we're just going to have to kind of suffer through a little bit until this thing kind of, until they, they open up the spigots a little bit more, we get more electric cars or the demand goes down, which, you know, as we're seeing now, the demand's going up. Yeah. I, I found it interesting now, and I don't know how the rest of the audience sees this or views this, but you know, when you think of electric cars, you're thinking Tesla. Mm-hmm. I mean, right off the bat is yep. probably the, the biggest name. And then you know that a lot of the other manufacturers are coming out with different things. I think the Ford Lightning is uh, the truck, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. there, there's a lot more. But what I've noticed in the last probably two to three months is that there are a lot of smaller companies that are not the big name brands that are are, are throwing their hat in the ring. Out of curiosity, have you looked at any of those vehicles? Do you know anything about them? What, one thing that I've seen is that their price tags seem to be extremely high, and it mm-hmm. would, they're really going after a specific market of people that, you know, the very wealthy folks. And so I don't know if that really actually helps the overall situation, right, with, with gas. Because if you can't afford a $170,000 or $140,000 electric vehicle, you're going to be paying at the pump. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it, to your point, that, you know, technologies when they first come out are very, very expensive, and so that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot of new technologies. These battery costs are very expensive, 
But the challenge is, is that we need a bridge to get to that. And so Mm -hmm. we basically cut off the bridge and we're paying the price for that for something that's going to be affordable in five to 10 years. We should have made sure, in my book anyway, that we had enough supply to meet the demand and that we could moderate the prices. But now we're kind of stuck on the other side. So now, and, and I understand where the administration comes from. They're trying to make it painful, right? So that way these changes will happen more quickly. I just think it's going to get, we're going to see more pain before we we get to the end of this. And, and to that point where what people don't realize too, is to power those cars, it takes energy as well. And so we've got to find resources to be able to, to, because otherwise we'll have these rolling blackouts all over the country. We see them in California where they use a lot of electric cars, a lot more than I think any other, any other state in the, in the nation. These are all very, very complex problems that, um, you know, unfortunately are going to kind of add to this inflationary pressure I think we're going to face. Absolutely. Well, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I've, I've got a, a big question to ask you in a couple minutes, but mm-hmm. before I get to that, I want to talk about wages and mm-hmm. I want to talk about the stock market because okay, both of those are obviously really affected by inflation. And so let's tackle wages first. I'm, I don't know about your area, but I think wages have increased quite a bit. And I, well, I know they've increased quite a bit here locally. And I've seen mm-hmm. pretty much nationwide the kind of the same news reports. And I think that's a good thing because it, it helps people earn a living wage. However, inflation, does that cancel that that increase? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on how this is affecting those wages? Yeah, the early data on that that we're seeing is the inflationary costs are going up higher than wages or going up faster than wages. So mm. wages, the challenge with wages when it comes to inflation is that wages are sticky. Right. So when I'm just looking at the the just the basics of inflation is that when you give somebody a raise, when the prices start to abate some somewhat, you can't go back to your employees and say, hey, you know, listen, inflation is uh, going down. We're going to we're going to have a pay cut now. So what happens is, is that you have to give your employees more money, which is a good thing. But then in turn, the corporations have to raise prices to be able to support those wage increases. And so the prices come up Mm -hmm. and then the wages got to go up because the prices go up. And this is how you get uh, kind of that in the seventies, for instance, the unions became very, very big because of the, the price increases. And so that is what made these large wage increases. And it kept feeding the inflationary frenzy until it got to a point where it was out of control. So we need to find a way to moderate prices and then, you know, pay people a good wage, obviously. And we like to get, we like wages to go up, but then it'll get to a point where the cost of goods is increasing. Like we're seeing now, the cost of goods is increasing by 10 to 15% more than the wage increases. And that is, that sometimes can be a self-fulfilling prophecy that becomes a problem. And then you get runaway inflation. That's what we don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's shift to the stock market. What, what are you seeing mm-hmm. there as far as how inflation is affecting the stock market? Well, inflation affects the stock market in, a new, in numerous ways. It, like As I alluded to, it's the boogeyman in the closet if you're a financial guy that, that likes equities because there is no clear answer except for depreciation when you get inflation. And then if you get inflation to a certain period where it starts to stagnate the economy or the economy goes into recession, you can have the worst of all financial worlds, which is called stagflation. 
So mm. we aren't hearing that word now because we're in the initial stages of raising interest rates. But if the Federal Reserve, and he's got a real complex situation here, if he doesn't, if he raises too quickly and we go into a recession and we've got inflationary pressures, think about this. This is the worst feeling in the world, right? You're looking at your bank statement. You're looking at your brokerage statement. You're looking at your home mortgage statement. You're looking at all the assets that you own and you're seeing them going down 15 to 20% in a year. And then you're also seeing interest rates uh, that are higher and you're also seeing the cost of goods going up at the same time. So your assets are going down and your costs are going up. That is that we saw that in the late 70s and early 80s. And that's when we had to use the nuclear option to fix it. And that is kind of the big thing. So that the market, if it sniffs any of that, and that's why we're kind of seeing this pullback now, right? You know, the last, the opening of 2022, we're seeing the stocks pull back because they're trying to reset, right? They're looking at where the interest rates are going to go up. What is the Federal Reserve going to do? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be too aggressive? Do we have to recalibrate what the valuation is? Are stocks going to have to come down to meet that kind of that that overall interpretation of where their worth is? And so that's what we're seeing right now is this feeling out period. And there is no visibility yet of where that's going to end. But I can tell you, sometimes it doesn't end good. Yeah. Well, and this brings me to you know, one of my last questions uh, on this, because this is one I alluded to earlier. How are you helping your clients with this? How are you helping your clients combat inflation, if you can even call it that, or uh, guard against inflation? I, I don't even, how would you term it? And what are you doing for your clients? Well, there is a way to, to combat inflation, and that is inflation with inflationary pressures, you, the most important thing that you can have is money now. Because mm-hmm. the, the money you get now is not depreciated in the future. So that's why you see tech stocks coming down because their valuation is predicated on future earnings uh, potential. So what I like is I like good dividend paying stocks and industries that have pricing power, that they can increase prices, can increase wages, and most importantly for us, of course, uh, they can pass off some of that money in the dividend. So we want to find companies that have a rising dividend in a rising world environment that can be defensive in terms of their posture. They're not overvalued. And that is a good, good dividend paying company with good net free cash flow is the antidote to inflation. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, this has been a ton of information. What else do we need to know before we wrap this podcast up? Well, I think the most important thing for people is... Don't do the bury your head in the sand. Inflation mm-hmm. is a different animal. It's not like other markets. And that's what I try to impress upon my clientele and people I speak to. You're used to seeing a market come down and then six months later, it's back above where it went down. Inflation does not do that. Inflation can eat away and erode for sometimes three, six, five, a decade we've seen it. I mean, the ninth, ironically enough, the last pandemic from 1913 to 1920, we had 10% inflation. So mm. then, of course, from the 70s to the early 80s, we had 7 to 8% systemic inflation. So these things can, once that inflation gets its hold and it starts to, to eat away at those earning, that earnings power, it can make a market go down for a long cycle. And so I ask people, listen, do the fire drills, do, you know, have somebody look at your portfolio, get a second set of eyes on this thing. What answer the what ifs, 
what if there is runaway inflation? How is my portfolio going to look? What am I going to be able to derive in terms of an income if we go into a three to six month, three to six year cycle of higher than the normal inflation? And those, that is what I would implore people to look at. You have, you cannot just do a buy and hope type of thing in an inflationary environment. You really have to strategize and it's, and it takes sometimes some long meetings and some discussions to get through that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of long meetings and discussions, here's the thing <laughs> is that I, I know that people are going to be listening to this going, okay, that's, a, there's a lot of good points there and mm-hmm. I would like to protect against or battle inflation. How do they get a hold of you? What, what's the best way? And, and, and do you have some resources that you can give them? Yeah, I, you know, I've been collecting resources on inflation for, like I said, for about twenty years. So, <laughs> I get, you know, depending on how, how in depth somebody wants to get, I can overload them because uh, I'm a kind of a history buff when it comes to inflation. Mm-hmm. But the best the best place to reach me is www.orcawealth.com. You can schedule a fifteen minute um, or a thirty minute just introductory call, and we can just talk through inflation. And I think that's the best starting spot is right there, and and we can just progress from there. However, the the person feels they want to go. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. I'm I am enjoying this podcast. Thank you so much. I learn a ton from you, and so I'm right there with the audience, and I appreciate all that you put into this. So thank you so much for providing the the education today. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and really enjoyed it, and um, look forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. Uh, our last thank you, of course, always goes to the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette, founder of Orca Wealth Management. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Orca Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to A Life Well Lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management, LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.